Okay. Welcome to Rationalist, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to be back. I'm here with the one and only Eddie Matthews, and I was actually told to call him, as it were, Eddie Matthews. From, from a, a longtime listener and longtime friend, Oscar Pearson wrote in. Oh. And said that would be a, a terrific moniker for you, so there you go. Oscar listens to this? Apparently, he recently binged the entire series because he found out about it. So that's if that's not the, the dream, I don't know what is. Dude, my heart has never been more warm. Uh, for the listeners who don't know, Oscar Pearson uh, is the best visual artist I know. He's phenomenal. Mm, terrific. Um, we, pleasure, we have the pleasure of being his friend, and we went to high school with him. Um, Absolutely. So, cool. Well, thanks for that. Absolutely. Uh, and it was a good, it's a good lead into this episode, because uh, what's today's special topic, Eddie? That is a great lead. Yeah, fan questions. All of these, um, all these questions that are submitted to us on Twitter, uh, we're going to be going through. I, um, I compiled a list of my favorite 10, and uh, you compiled a list of your favorite 10. Who knows how many we'll get through? And, uh, you know, we edit this pod, so, you know, maybe we'll get to 20, maybe we'll get to 12. Who cares? And we have not told each other which ones we're going to ask yet. Correct. So, Correct. And there was just such a massive pool of questions from our loads of listeners that it could be any of the above. And we won't get to them all. Sorry if you wrote in and we don't get to yours, but uh, keep, yeah. keep them coming. Keep them coming. Um, well, the first one is from at Jim Jim. Jim like J-I-M and then the second Jim like G-Y-M. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. His question, uh, had Jim Jim, you don't sound like you can bench very much. <laughs> I don't know if that's a question or if that's more of like, it's kind of worded like a question, but there's no question mark. And well, it, I think it's more of challenging it, me to, to prove him wrong. It and it's like, sounds yeah, like it's directed at you because obviously from right. my voice, you can tell I, I, there's no bench that I've haven't maxed out on. So Yeah. Well, at Jim Jim, <laughs> you're right. I can't bench very much, but neither could Kevin Durant uh, at True. the NBA draft, and look where that uh, got him. So, yeah. Stephen Hawking as well, and look where he is. So, <laughs> yeah, he's a genius. <laughs> um, all right, what's uh, someone send in for you? Uh, this is so. These are mostly. I took ones that are mostly directed to you. So. Uh, Wow! Actually, yeah. So feel free. That's to great because there's because there's a lot of mine that are directed to you. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So this one was this first one was actually for both of us. This is from Carson Wack from California. So a frequenter of the pod and our one and only uh, guest so far. Yeah. He wanted to know what percent chance we think Trump has of being reelected in 2020. Oh wow, that's a thoughtful question from As a thoughtful. From a thoughtful young man. Exactly. What are his, what's his, per, like, 538 style percentage would we give him? Yeah, I think that's the, that's the gist. He wants to know, if we had to put down the line in Vegas, what, yeah. would, our, what would we bet on over under if we saw it, you know, above or below? I would, I mean, I'm a very unsophisticated uh, person when it comes to predictions. So I would say 40%, which is the same, basically, as his approval rating. I know that's not a, t- a terribly um, 
I don't know. Yeah, sophisticated metric, but there's it seems to be around 35 to 40 percent of this country and 90 percent of the Republican Party that are going to stick by him regardless, like truly regardless. And for whatever reason, they've rationalized their way into that position. And so I'd put it at about 40 percent. What do you think? Okay, well, first off, I'd just like to say that we will be doing a follow-up on our original Democratic candidates uh, podcast because that was a big hit. So we'll do that after we say the yeah. next, next debate. Yeah, and the next debate's next week. So, so uh, we'll do it soon. Yeah, we'll maybe it'll be our in two episodes from now. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I love your optimism. I don't think opinion polls are a terrific measure of re-election percentage. Because, especially at this point, we'll talk about this uh, in the next episode when it comes to the Brexit referendum, opinion polls are really difficult to discern, especially when the Democratic candidate hasn't been selected yet. I think the attacks are kind of waiting for the Democratic Party to select someone. I think you'll see that once, you know, somebody like Bernie or Elizabeth Warren or even Biden gets elected as a Democratic nominee, there will be... A kind of a torrent of backlash against them that will see it come closer to 50-50, which would be my estimation. Oh, yeah. I don't mean that... Let's see. How would I put it? Yeah, I don't mean that it's going to be a landslide election and the Democrats are going to win 60% of the vote. Um, I don't know if it's, that's how it came across, but I'm just referencing um, the idea of if they ran this election 10 times, Trump would kind of win four of them. I guess. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's about 50 50. So, okay. yeah, yeah. so we'll see. So that's terrifying. <laughs> it is. And as most people say it's even higher because incumbents have a huge advantage when it comes to reelection. But we can talk about this on the next pod. So yeah, keep it in yeah, mind. Good question, though. Good question. Good question, Carson. Um, mm-hmm. This one comes from at NSA CIA US Marshal. Your social security number is being used to. Hey, wait a second. I'm not falling for that again. <laughs> Screw you, whoever sent that in. Way to weed it out, man. Well done. Yeah, not going to get me twice. You're definitely not making yourself an easy target on the air or anything. No. Um, so I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, on to you. Okay. This is from A. Dumas from Ville Cotterlet in, in France. Which book... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm listening. (laughs) Which book written in this century do you most wish that you had written? In the 21st century? Yes. Oh, that's a great, uh, that's a phenomenal question. The Buried Giant by Kazuo Ishiguro. It's the book that technically won him the Nobel Prize, although, you know, the Nobel Prize is awarded for body work, not just one work, but usually they Mm -hmm. tack it on to a specific uh, book. So it's a novel that came out in 2015. It's about... 320 pages long. Um, I was just talking to a friend named James uh, today who I got him to read it, and it's entertaining, and then you realize that it's so entertaining that at the end of it, you're like, oh, that was actually the most profound thing I've also ever read. (laughs) So it's just... Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's set in, um, like, 5th century Britain, Brittany, and okay. um, it's unlike, yeah, it's unlike anything you'll have read up to this point. How about you? Like so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, crazy jealous of Ishiguro and what he's able to do. 
So that's another reason why I wish I actually would have written that. <laughs> yeah. How about you? <laughs> oh man, it's tough because I probably haven't, it's, it's not very exciting to cite like a nonfiction book. That's okay. Cause it seems like it's a more of a fiction thing. Uh, but I would say the book I would recommend would probably be Prosperity and Violence by Robert Bates, which okay. is about how violence has shaped like modern development institutions and modern democracies in a way that is intertwined with current policies, but is often taken for granted, especially in the developing world. So not as exciting, definitely not as easy to read as I'm sure, although that sounds difficult as well, but uh, very short. It's only like 100 pages, and you get a lot out of it. Wow. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. For writing a 100-page book that uh, that made it to the top of your list. That's great. It's all about cogency on my end. Don't have enough time. <laughs> um, this one's from at asking for a friend. Now that gotcha. Morgan is married, mm. has he stopped dating fans? <laughs> and I don't know if that means fans of the pod, fans of your soccer career, fans of your mm. academic career. Um, I assume it means fans of the pod, but um, I assume the the just if we're just going in mass totals, the fans of the pod are clearly the biggest number, right? So that's most, and also I know that like about ninety percent of our fans are just like really attractive twenty to thirty year old women. Um, yeah. So you get a lot of overlap, but uh, yes, I have. I'm off the market. But uh, my, my co-host here, as we'll find out a couple of questions later, is, is still uh, ready, ready to go. So <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> you can uh, feel free to write in on Twitter if you, if you need any tips on how to, how to get Eddie out of the house. I, um, I heard on another podcast, I can't remember, I think it was one of the ones on The Ringer. It might have been The Watch or something. And they referenced this rock star. I don't even think they said the name of the rock star. He was just like a famous rock star. And he... <laughs> Since kind of Me Too stuff came out, he was like, you know, I've stopped sleeping with fans because <laughs> I can't, uh, I don't want my fame to coerce them into something that they wouldn't um, sexually otherwise want to do. And he's like, I'm so famous, I can't trust <laughs> their own judgment that they would actually want to sleep with me. Sorry, that's, thought, that's what I was going to say too, but <laughs> yeah. I thought it might be a little pretentious. So. <laughs> right. I was, like, I, I was like, this reminds reason. me of Morgan. <laughs> My friend and co-host Morgan. The pod's um, gotten so big that it's it's unethical. It's unethical. Yeah. It's unethically famous. Uh, all right, on to you. Okay, this is from Ali Passanante, a frequent listener. She hasn't been on the pod yet, but we will have her on it sometime. Would be on. She asks. She asks specifically for you. I think if you were a Spice Girl, which adjective would be used to describe your onstage persona? i.e. Scary Spice, Sporty Spice, etc. Oh, I think it'd be Posh Spice. No, you can't choose one of the ones that already exists. You have to choose a new... Oh, I have to make my yeah, own? Yeah, that's copyrighted. Posh Spice is off the table. David Beckham's not, not allowing that. Is Boring Spice an option? <laughs> See, I think you have to go for alliteration. I think you'd be Scholarly Spice. Posh Spice isn't an alliteration. Yeah, but Scary Spice and Sporty Spice sound so much better than Posh Spice. Sporty Spice sounds pretty good. Yeah, see? What, you scholarly Spice? That I think sounds... that's you. Oh, God. All right. And then the music video, they'd be like, if you want to be my lover, and you'd be like, wanna? <laughs> you'd come in with another market. Actually, it's want to be my lover. Yeah, I'd It'd have my perfect. red pen. Mm. The music video writes itself. Well, there you go, Yams. Scholarly Spice. Say that time <laughs> ten times fast. Oh, she will be when the music video comes out. Don't worry. 
<laughs> um, okay, so this comes from at Conundrummer. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. In the 1950s and 60s, Norman Borlaug developed a new strain of dwarf wheat that transformed the food production of countries like Mexico and India. According to the NobelPrize.org, within 20 years, he was spectacularly successful in finding a high-yielding, short-strawed, disease-resistant wheat. A similar strain was introduced into the rice in India, a country that had been recovering from a famine in the 1940s. The Green Revolution's introduction to African countries has been, by and large, a failure due to reasons ranging from local government corruption to high-diversity soil types, according to Emile Fresson. Also, given the climate change concerns that massively increasing production in African agriculture could pose, would you implement the Green Revolution tactics in African countries? If so, how? I think that one's directed towards you. I see conundrum is really it's getting to the root of the matter here. Uh, this is very similar. I almost deleted this one because it's so similar to the Spice Girl question. Um, right. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll just branch out from there. Conundrum Spice. <laughs> well, my my expertise is definitely not agricultural policy, but yeah, the agricultural situation in Africa is very different than other regions, particularly India. I think that there are many lessons that can be taken from the Green Revolution. But, you know, really no mass blueprint plans can be implemented anywhere in Africa due to the deficiencies in institutions there. I think this is particularly true in the countries along the equator, where you see a combination of poor ecological management mixed with bad, basically just poor conditions for agriculture in terms of uh, the way that rainfall interacts with diseases, and other sorts of things that can affect crop production. Um, I don't know how much more detail we want to go into, but basically uh, it's not really yes or no. It's somewhere in between. How's okay. that? Mm. Well, thank you. Uh, no problem. Okay. This one's from Alicia V. from Stockholm, Sweden. This is Eddie. So this is specifically for you. Eddie, which I imagine, as you hear later, would, would have been for me if I wasn't off the market. Um, what are the three most important qualities you're looking for in a future partner? Wink, wink, and then an emoticon winky face, which I think is a little repetitive. She might have some sort of disorder, but take it as you wish and, uh, and run with it. I don't understand. Why is that repetitive? It's wink, wink, and then there's also a winky face. So it's three winks. That's just, just picture that. It's way I don't understand. Mm. I, I'll come, um, next time I come over, I'm going to wink at you three times and you'll understand. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. The three uh, attributes I'm looking for Yeah. in a potential partner? Exactly. I assume three most important. Um, I think... Well, one of them's physical attraction. And I wouldn't have said that uh, I wouldn't have said that if I was trying to sound cool and, uh, <laughs> and uh, not just cool, but I, I like, think we can fairly say that none of the things we say sound very cool. <laughs> no, I've never been once. I've never once in my life been accused of being cool. <laughs> Neither of us. Have. So, um, so that's one. Um, and I wish I was like, you know, 
I wish that wasn't one, but it is. Um, I used to think that I used to think I was really shallow for thinking that. And there's a lot of Christian authors that I read that made me feel shallow for thinking that. And so it did not get me to a good place. I'll leave it at that. Um, this, so I think this question, the winks definitely anticipated a much less uh, thoughtful <laughs> deep discussion, yeah. but I appreciate the honesty. I think that's better than a lot of people that say it doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah, no, it yeah. does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, then you kind of get into this range of like, how much does it matter whether we have similar interests? And how much is it good that we don't have similar interests? How much does it matter how extroverted she is versus how introverted I am? It's up you know? to you to decide, man. What are some, what, yeah. are, what would you say are the deal breakers then? You can go the other way. What are like three things that are must have or must not have? Okay, no, well, Okay, so to to answer the question, I think warmth is another one. Okay. So just like, I need someone that is warm, you know, (laughs) that is not... Like physically runs over average body temperature. I need her body temperature to be 107 constantly. That's really hot. That's (laughs) hot. That's not warm. (laughs) You guys are going to date from the ER. Yeah, that's like you're dead. Um... (laughs) No, I just, uh, somebody that my friends would have an easy time being around. Somebody who we would uh, go on a group date and then all of a sudden I can't go because there's a family emergency mm-hmm. and my girlfriend just goes along with my friends and they still have a great time because she's just a warm presence to be around, you know? I totally agree. That's a great one. I um, so that's two. The third, I think... Um, I don't, I think some level of either faith or openness to faith. And I think I'm in a place now where like worldview wise, it pro, I just don't think, I don't, it's not that I would only date Christians. It's that I think that I, my worldview being so influenced by Christianity, most young women who weren't Christians wouldn't want to deal with that. You know, gotcha. like we just wouldn't want to deal with like every like every Sunday. Do we really have to like, is this really <laughs> happening? You know what I'm saying? And so I think that is just something that would like self-select. So like so. mega NFL fans who are unwilling to miss the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Off the table. So I think, yeah, I think um, some kind of like faith element or like openness to exploring that. I think I'd be open to dating with someone who wasn't a Christian, but didn't hate Christians, you know, <laughs> like. If they're like, yeah, I'll come along, check it out. I don't know. Just open to spirituality in general, I guess. Um, okay, so yeah. you you heard it here first. Alicia B from Sweden. This is the oh, that's an Alicia, that that's a freaking reference to Alicia Vikander. No, um, that was a real person that wrote in. Don't, no, it wasn't. Don't don't discredit. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, they're all very reality. I don't know where you're getting that from. <laughs> okay, um, this runs from at Dirk one two seven five. Okay. What's your least favorite part of your body? Oh, I think I would have to say my nose. Really? Yeah, it's just too oh. powerful. It's too powerful. I would have said it's, your uh, feet for you. <laughs> that's, that's a good one as well. I just, you know, it was, <laughs> if you had phrased it the other way, like, what's your favorite part? I would have had a lot tougher time because I would have had to really go through <laughs> a process um, of elimination. What's uh, my least favorite part of my body? Um, I'd say... Let's see, my side profile. 
Every time I look at my mm. side profile, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. My Because I think looking at myself front on, I'm like, well, I'm okay with that. And then I see myself from the side view and I just look like a, like a, like a scrawny, confused guy. <laughs> it's like, do you when you're at like a restaurant with someone new do you try to stay like directly in front of them do you yeah yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. don't let them they never kind of, they're never at my side it's like you're playing good like quarter court defense in basketball you're making sure you're shuffling in front or we walk single file yeah i got it i got it perfect um yeah oh are my legs are unnecessarily hairy it always surprises. <laughs> it never fails to surprise people. If because I don't wear shorts really ever, and then I'll go to I the beach either. and people yeah. and people will be like, "Whoa, what?" Hmm. <laughs> and they'll always make a comment. It'll never fail. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's why they think you don't wear shorts? Do you think there's like a- I don't know. I n- no. I don't think anyone thinks <laughs> on it that deeply. I, fair I don't enough. Think, that's fair. I don't think anyone for a second has ever put those two together because gotcha. that would require them connecting mm. dots. And thinking about me to a degree that no. Well, that's what the pod's for. (laughs) That's what the (laughs) to talk about your legs and make sure people are paying attention. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Okay, Um, I've got one here from yeah, Aaron A. Aronson from Sanford Village. I Um, was going to do one from Derek Pearl. (laughs) 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 That's great. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what you're getting at. These are clearly real people. Yeah, 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) What would you consider your top guilty pleasure film? Uh, maybe a Knight's Tale. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, I thought, I thought we were gonna or have the Sahara. Ah, oh, that was gonna be mine. Yeah, yeah, mm. those two. It's like I know they're campy AF, but they're so damn fun. But they embrace the camp, you know. They embrace the camp. Yeah. If, if, you have to love it. If you want to see an embodiment of a person embracing campiness, it just is Matthew McConaughey wherever he <laughs> yeah. does whatever he does. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Have but Night's Tale is yeah. like, mm-hmm. and Night's Tale is like verging on good, like legit good. That there's almost some, makes it worse. If it was slightly worse, it would almost be better. If that there's makes just sense. there's such thought put into that screenplay, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. What's mm-hmm. yours? Sarah? I, well, I was gonna say Sahara, but uh, I'll also bring up A Perfect Getaway. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that. Oh, I've seen like half of it with Steve Zahn and yeah, uh, it's, Timothy Oliphant. My wife absolutely hates it. We watched it on like our like fifth date together and she okay. she's made fun of me for it for that's a, ever since that's a weird fifth date movie man dude it's uh i stand that's on by you it. i stand by it i've seen it probably 10 times and every time i come away with it more indignant like no that's a good movie <laughs> i don't care what <laughs> it's not say. <laughs> i didn't i didn't even finish it you have and to I, watch it again i'm telling you it's brilliant uh <laughs> the ringer the ringer just wrote an article about how it was underrated like, really? Yeah, like oh, three months to, I'll ago. read the article. And I was, I've never felt more justified. More, like it yeah. Was, yeah it was, hey, it was Justified, uh, mm. Timothy Oliphant. Another great show. Timothy Oliphant, there you go. Well, I'm Next just saying, I didn't yeah, know if he meant in, that he's pun. In a perfect getaway. I did not, but uh, there you go. This comes from at Podcast Fiend. What other <laughs> podcast do you recommend listening to? I know you have like a full-on podcast library, so so why don't you throw some out? Okay, yeah, I do have quite a few podcasts that I listen to, but uh, I'll try to give out some some of the lesser known ones. I do think the rewatchables, the Ringer podcast where they go over movies, is that one's great. Just quality fun. That's one of me and Oliver's favorite. Oliver, friend friend of the pod, it's terrific. I also think that if you're in for a little nerdier stuff, Econ Talk is pretty good. 
Okay. It really depends on the guest because the actual host of that show is almost as boring as us. So sure. it really requires a good, a good, uh, a good, what would be the guest of that show is really important. Um, let's see. Let's do one more. I listen to the, the Economist radio. Oh yeah. I recommended that to Sandy, uh, my brother who, my other brother who was looking for like places that are good to get your news that aren't too liberal, which is a fair question, you know? So I recommended, uh, and I imagine they're going to close that loophole soon because they basically give you all the articles that are in the newspaper, the news economist, but you don't require to pay anything and they come straight to your phone. So I'm not sure that's gotta be driving down sales. I'm not sure if they make it back in ad revenue or what, but yeah, it's amazing. This is something I didn't realize until recently. I I mean, you can tell that you and I pretty much trust most like news sources. Mm. We have a pretty high level of trust in our news, I think. (laughs) But I didn't know that the economist like tends conservative. I wouldn't say it does. I would say in the Oh, that's what Ezra Klein said, but maybe that's just how he characterized it. I would say you could could have said that ten years ago okay. when it was when conservative liberal was defined by economic concerns because oh, okay. I would say it's more fiscally conservative than most okay. liberal outlets. But in terms of social positions, I would say it's probably more left wing um, defined by today's axes. That would be uh, what I would say. N- no, I think that's fair, and I'm glad yeah. I said that so mm-hmm. that you could correct it. Um, I would just add very bad wizards. Um, that's one of your and I's favorite. Mm. They're, uh, they're the, you know, they're our big brothers. That's, that's who we want to be. Those <laughs> dudes. It's a psychologist sure... or a philosopher just talking about, you know, uh, I mean, their last episode was about the book of Job, but they aren't religious people. They're just, uh, you know, looking at it from a philosophy angle. They talk about a wide range of topics. They talk about Pulp Fiction and mostly academic papers, I would say, but. When they do, I'm sure they listen to ours and they think the same thing, that we're their big brothers. So it's a, it's a reciprocal yeah. relationship. Yeah, it is. Um, oh, I think it's yours now. Okay. I've got one from Bernard and Elizabeth from Iowa. <laughs> so- <laughs> I'll never laugh. Okay, that's great. Okay. Yeah, I'm listening <laughs> to so- these real people. <laughs> um, so this is a question about I'm going to rephrase their question because they didn't phrase it super well. But they're basically asking if the idea that candidates are running on platforms to forgive student loans has made it less likely that you're going to pay your student loans in the front end in the hope that you will have it forgiven later. Is it Basically, is it a deterrent, the fact that people are perhaps promising that they'll get forgiven to paying your student loans? Um, I mean, I can't speak for anyone else because how could you speak for anyone else in, in, mm. for a question like that? So I'll just speak for me personally. For me personally, it's not a deterrent because I don't trust the promises of politicians when they're campaigning. Mm, that's fair. <laughs> you know, even if they're my politicians. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of, like a lot of people have called Obama a liar for saying that under uh, the Affordable Care Act, you could keep your own doctor. And like mm. conservatives will vehemently say like, he bald-faced lied about that and knew he was doing it. Mm. I mean, maybe he was lying to for political purposes. I don't I don't I wasn't in those backroom conversations. But I don't think he was. I think at the time he thought that he could get it through and they could uh 
figure out a way so that you could, a feasible way for you to keep your doctor under the Affordable Care Act. And that turned out not to be true. Um, I don't think he was deliberately manipulating people with that statement. So I think, I all that to say, like, even, you know, people that are honest in the time that they're saying something two years later when they're in power and they're trying to enact the thing that they're saying, it's that's not always the same, you know? They can't I mean, always I, do it. I think a problem with, with modern politics is the fact that we frame everything in terms of lies and truth. Like, democracy is based on compromise. Yeah. So let's say that that is their goal, is they say on the campaign trail, we want to forgive all student loans. What yeah. they're essentially saying is we want to forgive some student loans and refix the way that yeah. we are allocating loans to students yeah. and debt in general. Yeah. But if they come back and you know they only forgive ten percent of student loans, is that going to be seen as a lie? I don't know. We can get into that discussion. Yeah. Else, um, well, I guess so. Yeah. To finish my answer, uh, it wouldn't for me just because um, I would I would want to pay off as much as I could before I had kids and before there were other people that suffered mm. because of that. So it's not a deterrent for me because I just want to be rid of it. You know. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, that's how it okay. is. Okay. All right. You got another question over there? Yeah, do. This is at, at why Morgan, why does Morgan hate the East coast so much? Well, okay. I've never, I've never understood that. Every time we talk about the East coast, you're like, I hate that place. I don't know. When, okay. When well, I wouldn't it. say, I don't want to offend all of our East coast viewers. I wouldn't say I hate the East coast. I would say that if I was offered a job in the West coast and the East coast, I would bury, I would take a substantial pay cut to live on the West coast. Why? When I went to school at Colorado College for my undergrad, there was about half from people from the West Coast and half from the East Coast, and it was very easy to tell who was from which part of the country, mainly due to not, it has nothing to do with niceness or kindness or anything like that. It's just the way that people interpret what, how much a part of your life your job should be. On the East Coast, your job this is obviously mass generalizations, but it seems as though your job is meant to be 90% of your life. And on the West Coast, it's just not nearly that high. And I've always found myself much more attracted to the fact that a job should be a means to an end rather than an end in and of itself. And that is more or less the reason why. That's great. I've never thought about that. Mm. Well-worded. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. What do you got? Okay, this is from uh, Matt M. from Wasna, California. Is this one real? Did Matt actually send something in? <laughs> you just have to wait and hear the question, and you can decide for yourself. Okay. <laughs> Between DVD and Blu-ray, how many copies of Brokeback Mountain do you own? Three and a half. Okay. <laughs> Did you get like a little too excited one of the times, and you broke a, a copy, or? Oh, no, the half was because you said between DVD and Blu-ray, and one of them is HD DVD. It was the one that was competing with Blu-ray and eventually lost, gotcha. and, uh, and Blu-ray kind of took over that market. So that yeah. was, I kind of count as a half. Okay. I got mine put on Laserdisc, actually, so that's, Sweet. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how many that, that counts for, but uh, yeah, that's, that's more or less the question. Um, this one's at Kings Beach Lake Tahoe. Okay. Has Morgan has Morgan kept in touch with Desiree? <laughs> Dude, this is a we can have if there was a question about you know biggest mistakes in life, uh, we we could we could retread those waters, but uh, no, sadly, sad, so until, this is, 
This is referencing when Morgan and I were like freshmen in high school or sophomores, and we went on the annual Loomis family vacation to uh, Kings Beach, Beach mm. in Lake Tahoe, and it was dope. And uh, and this little pimp over here was uh, just uh, picking up picking up numbers left and right. And there was a gal named Desiree who uh, you went over and chatted up and got her number and. Uh, the rest is history. <laughs> so history, this, as in, uh, <laughs> as in, you never spoke to her again. To her. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so yeah. This is uh, the type of quality content that. our viewers uh, write into. <laughs> I'm just surprised that <laughs> someone connected the dots. That's great. I'm, I'm a, that's got to be her, right? Who else would have written in about that? It's oh, Des. Yeah, that was Des. Yeah, she no, runs the King's Beach mm. Twitter account. Um, all right, what do you got? Uh, this is from Ray from Dublin, and he says, "Why is it that you refuse to participate in fantasy sports?" Dublin. Yeah, this is Ray. Um, yeah. I think it's in the name, fantasy sports. Doesn't that just sound stupid enough? <laughs> but things can sound stupid and be amazing. <laughs> um, A contract supreme doesn't sound that great, and it's amazing. I'm not gonna claim for a second that I'm busier than anyone else <laughs> listening because I'm not. I'm the same amount of busy, I'm sure, or less busy than anybody else listening. Um, I'm certainly less busy than you are. So it's not, I'm not going to say I don't have the time for it. But I don't have the time for it. <laughs> like, what I mean is that I'm in a place in my life right now where pretty much my headspace is all just the stuff I'm working on, which is fun. And just juggling different stuff. And I'm, again, I don't work harder or, or am more busy fantasy, than anyone else. But it's, well, it's that I don't. But it's that I don't want one more thing to like check and keep track of and keep up on and lose. You know, is that is that mainly why. the reason? Are you just really afraid that I would dominate you week in week out? And it was fifty bucks. No thanks. <laughs> That's true. Fair I'm enough. If that, been, if that had been your excuse the first time, yeah, would, it is way too much. It's, it, has to, it needs to be somewhere in between because I feel like the problem is the people that determine how much it costs are also the people that care the most. Yeah. No so thanks. it should be more of a vote. I'm with uh -uh. you there. Fair enough. Uh -uh. Fair enough. Okay. Um, well, last one I've got is uh, it's at future you. Okay. What did... <laughs> it's weird how they wrote in on different formats. Mine was like names and yours was Twitter yeah. accounts. Yeah. Strange. What advice do you think your 50-year-old self would give you today? Interesting. He would definitely say, commit everything to the pod, drop out of the PhD program, Sweet. put your I marriage like on hold, commit all of your resources to research for the pod. I'm pretty sure that's, that's what he would say. That's great. Wow. Yeah. No, no doubt. Maybe about we it. should listen to fifty-year-old Morgan, <laughs> dude. I'm already there. I've got my letter of resignation and divorce papers ready to go. So. Oh, sweet. Oh, great. So you're getting divorced too for the pod. <laughs> for the pod, yeah. Sweet. That's dedication. Um. <laughs> so for my my fifty-year-old self, I think uh, he would just say, "Don't worry about work as much as you are right now." See, so you should come live on the west coast. So I should come live in... Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Okay, we solved that. Okay. Um, I've got one last question for you. Yeah, hit me. Well, you can answer either of these because I actually had two more questions left. The first one is from... Well, the first one is from uh, Zach Braff. 
from Los Angeles. He says, love the pod. Um, what would you consider the number one problem facing America today? I think it's, I think there's a crisis of critical thinking. Mm, interesting. I think that it comes, for me, I think it comes down to critical thinking. Like, um, so would you say it's a problem with education then rather than like, is critical thinking a problem of deficient education programs? I don't, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of education is doing a disservice to students because it's not really teaching them how to critical think. So yeah, I think that can certainly be at the foot of it. Um, I really, that's kind of what I pare it down to. When I think about the current administration and the current president and the amount of mental gymnastics that people have to do to put their vote behind him and think that he's fit for office. Like, I just think it comes down to they haven't thought deeply enough about it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's fair. I would say education is definitely up there. I'm torn between, like, our disconcern with climate change and America's faltering soft power abroad. I think it's probably climate change, but... I don't know if that needs to be parroted here, so I'll go with the soft power one. Uh, I think yeah. the the detrimental effects of our current situation cannot be undone in the short term, and I don't know if we'll ever have the opportunity in a post-Cold War world where we have the chance to present America as a value-driven country again. I hope we do, mm. and I hope I'm proven wrong, but I think that those soft power advantages were dramatically undervalued and that that will come back to haunt us as other countries go stronger that are less principled. Yeah, I think the cat's out of the bag kind of at this point. It's like, here's the mm. most powerful yeah. country in the world, the richest country in the world. Um, what we thought in many ways was the most principled country in the world and look who they elected as their leader. Oh, wow. Look what they've reduced themselves to. Huh. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what they're capable of doing because of partisanship. Wow. Yeah. A partisanship also would have been another quality answer. Well, and I just think, like, that's in, that's in history for all time now. There's no revoking. Like, yeah, we can elect someone else next fall, but... Man, in some ways, the damage is done. Like, the, the American brand is really, I don't know, irrevocably, but really, at least in the medium term, taking a, a huge, huge degrading hit. Reputation is a lot more important than people take credit for it. Everything from economics to politics to trade, all yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. Well, and I just like... Well, the Republican Party better enjoy this next year of power because they're not going to go away. Like, you know, the conservatism's never going to die because we we need conservatism. We need good conservatism to have a functioning democracy. Just the Republican Party is a cancer on good conservatism right now. And with that, we leave you with this cheery edition of Q&A. <laughs> yeah. Feel Jeez. free to write in. And everyone who did, we thank you very much. So many supporters out there. Just wonderful stuff. Yeah. Thank you for all those uh, questions.
questions that were definitely really submitted to me on Twitter. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> Peace out.